A Fijian academic says political polls in the country point to another tight contest for the upcoming elections. Campaigning is underway in Fiji, although an election date has yet to be officially announced. The ruling Fiji First Party, led by Frank Bainimarama, secured victory at the last election in 2018 with the slimmest of margins over his rival, Sitiveni Rambuka, who contested under the Sudalpa Party. Political polls in Fiji since that election have shown a downwards trend in the popularity of the dominant Fiji First Party. Joining me is Fijian academic Professor Stephen Ratuva, who is now the director of the Macmillan Brown Centre of Pacific Studies at the University of Canterbury here in New Zealand. Bula, and welcome back on Pacific Waves, Professor. Let's start with the political landscape in Fiji. It's completely different from what it was at the last election, isn't it? It's different in the sense that we have new political parties coming in, uh, as well as uh, the alliances between the parties. That's, that's something which is uh, new here, uh, the pre-election alliances, because people are worried about uh, whether they'll get over 5%. And also it's a good way of uh, making sure that they have a much more diverse uh, uh, support base and also to expand their support base uh, in a way which will help them in the election. So uh, at the moment you have uh, two alliances. See amongst the uh, uh, the opposition parties, the small uh, minority parties, uh, there's uh, anxiety about uh, who's going to get what. So now they are positioning themselves to be able to maximize the benefit from the election. And one way of doing that is to make sure that they have this common front uh, formed between political parties. So it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's not uncommon in various countries in the world. Uh, in fact, in Fiji itself, we've had coalitions, but a lot of those coalitions, the discussions of coalitions have taken place prior to the election. The very uh, uh, prominent one was between the uh, Labour Party and the National Federation Party uh, way back uh, before the 1987 election. Uh, since then, there have been coalition governments, uh, but often uh, formed after the election. So it's nothing new in Fiji in terms of the pre-coalition arrangement, but it has a purpose. The purpose is, re- is really to kind of consolidate their political power in relation to mobilizing votes, uh, particularly for this particular uh, electoral system where you have to get over the 5% threshold Getting over the 5% threshold for the small parties is not easy. So one way of making sure that they do that is to have a kind of alliance of some kind so that they will uh, share some of the the votes. But it can also be risky in the sense that uh, if they have merged as a a political group before the election, uh, then they would be able to bring together all the votes from the different political parties. But now they have to wait until after the election. So some of them may survive, some of them may not. Going back to the the election, the last election, it was a really narrow win for Fiji, Fiji first. A lot has happened since then in Fiji with the pandemic, um, uh, with, with all of the issues that have been happening. Um, as we know, heavily tourism reliant, Fiji was severely impacted. Um, what do you think the election issues are this time around? See, the pandemic has impacted a lot in many countries in terms of the political uh, circumstances. Because if you're in power at the time of the pandemic, then of course you get the flag. That's what's happening here in New Zealand and uh, uh, in the United States under Trump and uh, various other places in the, in the world. Those countries which have elections in the pandemic find that uh, the leaders have to work very hard to be reelected. So uh, 
um, certainly the case of Fiji, but there are other cases, as, uh, other issues as well that we have to think about in terms of uh, how Fiji has been tre trending. So uh, uh, this perception that maybe there will be a significant change in the political gravity this time around. Uh, if you look at the, uh, uh, the polling so far uh, in Fiji, although the polling is very, very uh, bad in Fiji in terms of uh, uh, consistent polling, uh, and the only paper which is doing uh, polling, uh, they were growled at by the government because they're not polling well. Uh, in many countries in the world, like the United States, you have daily polls, weekly polls, and adds up to monthly polls and all those, and a lot of polling uh, in New Zealand. The polling has been relatively accurate uh, in terms of prediction. If you look at prediction over the years, especially in the last uh, few years I've been here in New Zealand, it's just spot on. Now, in the case of uh, Fiji, uh, the polling before the 19, sorry, before the 2014 election, so the Fiji first polling up to like, 60 to 80 percent, but they managed to get 60 percent. Uh, so uh, um, plus or minus uh, 5 percent or 6 percent, sometimes uh, crazy figures like 10 percent or 20 percent uh, in terms of the, uh, the margin of error. But in 2018, the pollings were showing that the Fiji Force has really come down. It was showing like from uh, 40 something percent close to 50 percent up to 60 percent uh, in the series of pollings. Uh, and Eventually, they got about 51, 52%, very close. So it's within that range. And now the polling is about 20%, 20, 22%. So uh, uh, that alone, if you do another poll and another one and another one, if it talks about the same thing, uh, and even if you have a margin of error of about 10 or 20, so that means that there's going to be a, a major shift in the political gravity and uh, there might be a change of government. So unfortunately, we don't have consistent polling in Fiji. They, this is when they should be doing it. The major papers like Fiji Times and the Fiji Sun, it, because it's important for the people of Fiji at this particular point in, uh, in the election uh, to be engaged in, uh, in the democratic process of uh, providing uh, their own views as to who should be there before the actual election itself. Mm. And, it's, uh, and, it's, and it's good for political parties as well whether you're in power or whether you're in opposition. Now, the, looking at the, 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 big, the big story in the opposition, the split, um, uh, Ramboka forming his own party, do you think that shift, and he has taken a lot of big hit hitters with him from, by all accounts, that, do you think there's been enough time for the legwork, for the message of that change to filter down through to the voter base? Or do you think the Sudelpa stronghold will will still be faithful to the traditional hierarchy? Well, well, it depends very much on the dynamics. I mean, the traditional hierarchy itself, uh, uh, in terms of loyalty to the traditional hierarchy in Fiji, shifts quite significantly from party to party. It depends very much on the individuals. It's not something which is static, which is there all the time. It depends very much on the human agencies and who are the chiefs, who are the people. And the chiefs, they change their allegiances uh, even now and then. And the split within Sudelpa is quite significant in terms of uh, the Tokyo votes having to, uh, to decide which way to go. And Rambuka would have uh, uh, mobilized quite a significant number, uh, which goes with him, with the new uh, People's Alliance Party, PAP. And, uh, and of course, the other smaller parties, the National Federation Party has a significant uh, uh, Tokyo following. Uh, then you have the Unity Party, Wainarumbe. It has a, uh, a growing number of uh, Tokyo supporters as well. So the token support is going to be split uh, in significant ways uh, between um, three or four major parties vying for support 
and the Indo-Fijian vote as well, a number of them would probably uh, untie themselves from the Fiji first. Fiji first uh, basically uh, um, controlled much of the votes uh, in the last two elections. And uh, so there's a kind of swing away from the Fiji first. But where it, it becomes interesting is to see how the, uh, the new configuration of votes and where they go, is it enough to unseat the Fiji first or not? Uh, that is the big question at the moment. Yeah, uh, it, so it, those splits it, can be significant. Uh, if the splits are so uh, are such that it might give uh, advantage to the Fiji first, uh, that's something is still to be done. But if if one goes by the uh, by the poll, which is kind of kind of very very uh, limited, uh, which was uh, done by the Fiji Sun, then uh, uh, it's going to be very interesting in the sense that the split is going to be such that you actually would need a coalition to rule, which in a way is something positive for Fiji because Fiji needs to have a much more diverse uh, governmental system. I'll, so, I'll, come, I'll come to the co- I want to come to the coalition next, but before I go there, just uh, uh, looking at Fiji first now, like based on what we saw at the last election, uh, I was in Fiji for a bit of the campaigning before the polls. It's a really slick operation. Like it, 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 it correct me if I'm wrong here. It, it feels like they look after their own well. Like if you're in the Fiji first fold, you're in the club, so to speak. Like that, that appeal for that, that being looked after for being where the things are happening, the, the contracts, the money, the advertisements, business, all of that appeal that Fiji first has uh, in, in with the government and the way that it's, it's run. That, that's a significant thing to try and overcome, is it not? Uh, you're right. So the Fiji First has a corporate backing. If you look at the list of funders, you're basically talking about the corporate institutions in Fiji, the corporate establishment, uh, and the big money and the small money and those in between. Uh, and that's what the small parties uh, are fighting against, uh, big money versus uh, small money and some parties no money whatsoever. So it's going to be a battle of resources to some extent, uh, a battle of resources, a battle of ideology, a bell of technique as well. Even if you don't have uh, resources, it has, it is to do with being strategic about how you go about it. It's being innovative and creative in terms of how you infiltrate into the communities, into the minds of the communities. And of course, nowadays, the use of the social media, the use of the virtual space is very, very important in politics, uh, as they call it, the, uh, uh, the politics of virtuality or the uh, digital democracy. So people just see faces, people just get the narratives from the social media. And that will, in many ways, significantly now, uh, determine their vote. So uh, yeah. it's going to be a battle fought out in that, in that, in that space. Now, at the same time, there are those who don't connect with the cyberspace uh, in the communities, in the villages, uh, who want to see the real person and connect with the real person. Uh, and that's where some of the small parties come in. Uh, especially if you can fight against those parties with the big money. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you have the battle over territory, not, not just ideological territory, the ethno-cultural territory as well, and the uh, geopolitical territory, uh, whether it's uh, Lao, or whether it's Kandavu, or whether it's uh, Namosi. And some of these places have um, historically voted together as a block for a party. Uh, in some places like like in Suva and urban areas and around certain parts of Vitilevu, uh, diverse voting patterns are normally seen. But in some of those uh, rural areas, there's a kind of territorial political group which uh, uh, kind of thinks and, and votes in a particular way. 
So yeah, so it's going to be a battle between all these different aspects of uh, of contestation. Vinaka. Mm. Now coming to the coalition, um, the the sense we're getting is that the opposition groupings are saying that the, the main theme is that we will not partner with Fiji first. We'll try and form this government ourselves. But there is a really high chance that Fiji first will if not have the majority, will have a big chunk of, of that parliament and there will need to be a coalition with one of these opposition parties. Do you see those discussions? Do you think those discussions are happening now already behind the scenes or will, they, will that happen after the election? See, Fiji is full of surprises. Uh, it happened uh, in the coalition between the National Federation Party and, uh, and Rabuka, um, the SVT. And uh, uh, you'll also remember that Chaudhry had endorsed the prime ministership of um, Rambuka uh, in the 90s. Uh, so a lot of those surprises uh, you know, take place all the time. Um, and so uh, like for the Fiji first, if they can't get into power because they don't have the numbers, maybe five, six, seven, even even of 10 seats short, that's where the horse trading will come in. Uh, and that's where the politics of, uh, of pragmatism plays out uh, and overcomes the politics of principles. <laughs> And people will begin shifting. Remember, politicians are looking for jobs. Uh, a lot of them are not employable. <laughs> and uh, they put all their money, uh, all the eggs in one basket. So they need to survive as well. So they need whoever provides them with the carrot, with a job, they will go for it. So that's where it becomes very interesting. So the mucky waters begin to bubble. Uh, and we'll see a lot of uh, interesting things happening in Fiji. So... Uh, Yes, certainly the tension between the Fiji First and the other political parties has been um, brewing over the years uh, because of the way the, uh, uh, the Fiji First has been operating in terms of its uh, uh, position and the way uh, and its uh, uh, strategies and so forth. Uh, and of course, political parties have um, rallied against them uh, and a lot of people have. So, uh, and how that translates into votes, first of all, and how the post-election dynamics will begin to unfold uh, in terms of people horse trading uh, and trying to buy off this and buy off that to serve their particular interests would be quite interesting to see. And we see that all the time, even here in New Zealand. We have the yeah. National Party and the Maori Party, which are totally different ideologically. They're totally different in terms of what they stand for. They came together to form a coalition because at, at, at the end of the day, there has to be a government in Fiji anyway. If it means bringing together some of those uh, enemies um, that's, that's, that's another issue which they have to sort out. Yeah. So that's a possibility. Mm. There's a possibility, yeah. Maybe to, 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 to wrap it up now, the big question for like a, a lot of these past elections and even into this one is that, that Fiji First is a party that's never taken a loss. It's, it's, it's rolling. It's been winning for, for so long now, so dominant. If they lose, will they take that graciously? Well, that's a very good question. Everybody's asking that. Uh, in, uh, I mean, in the last few years, we've seen cases of uh, that happening in the United States with Trump, in Samoa, with Tuilaipa, uh, and in Africa, it leads to coups. And certainly in Fiji, there's a history of that. People lose the election and use the military to come back. And we hope that we don't see that again. Uh, this particular constitution, which was created by uh, the Fiji First uh, in the first instance, um, provides for, well, at least theoretically, for, 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 for democratic process of changes in government, the electoral system and all those things. The question is, uh, 
it's not so much a constitution, it's just a piece of paper, uh, whether there's a political will uh, in the minds of the Fiji First and the leaders in particular uh, to, uh, to move on. And uh, of course, people of Fiji uh, deserve uh, a smooth transition from one to the other. And I think uh, the last thing we want is uh, a resistance to that change. Uh, as you said, the Fiji First has been in power for a long time, and some of them have grown roots. So when you're in power for too long, then there's a perception that happens in many other places. There's a perception that you have the natural right to be there. Uh, no one has the right to displace you, uh, even to the extent that the electoral process is, com is, is considered, even if the, the ones that you create yourself, considered invalid, because you seem to have almost like a divine right to be there. So uh, that has to be nullified kind of thinking, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, we've had enough. I mean, this, the, the historical uh, experience of Fiji has seen that sort of uh, thinking and that kind of behavior. So hopefully things will change, that we're going to see a, a smooth transition of government if the, uh, the electoral results uh, move in that direction. Thank you so much for your time. I, I really enjoyed that, this, this Talanoa, and I think it'll be really insightful for our listeners as well. So thank you for your, your wisdom and insight. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Kevin Akka. Kevin Akka. Kevin Akka. Yeah, Kevin Akka. Yeah, Kevin Akka. Yeah, Kevin Akka. Yeah, Kevin Akka. Y